Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. It is one of the most iconic images of our time, two African-American medalists at the 1968 Olympics standing in silent protest with heads bowed and fists raised as the Star-Spangled Banner played. 50 years later, that singular event remains deeply inspiring, controversial, and even misunderstood as one of the most overtly political statements in the annals of sports. This documentary film called The Stand, How One Gesture Shook the World, is a revealing exploration into the circumstances that led the runners Tommy Smith and John Carlos to that historic moment at the Mexico City Olympic Games. Mining the great personal risks they took and the subsequent fallout they endured, the film again gets into all of this. And we're joined today by the co-directors of the film, and that would be Tom Ratcliffe and Becky Page. To both of you, welcome to Film School Radio. Thanks for yeah, having thank us. Thank you. Well, I'll start with you, Tom, um, just in terms of, of the, the project. Uh, sort of, uh, I know in the past, your previous work includes a documentary about Roger Bannister, uh, obviously, another historic event with a lot of different ramifications and, and historic um, references around that. But what was it about this particular event uh, that inspired you to do the documentary? Now, after we finished the Bannister film, Becca and I were discussing like those great moments of sport, and it was coming up on the fifth. We, we actually started talking about this in 2015. We thought, okay, the 50th anniversary is 2018. That's a target, and for sure it'll be well covered in the media, the 50th anniversary. You know, we, we had the idea and started to reach out to some people to decide, okay, how do, we, how do we put it all together? As we sit here in 2020, obviously that timeline extended in terms of right. telling a story. And by the way, let me ask you, in 2016, did you think that that event got its historic due? Is that, or was that a, another sort of impetus to continue the work in this? We actually were done in 2018. To be honest, like, it, you know, we've been working on distribution since then. And I think the current state of uh, things in the world right now has just given it um, more, even more relevance because, you know, as you said in your introduction, it's, it's, I think most people, if you see those images of um, Black Lives Matter and, and protests, the current protests, I think there's a lot of, the same imagery. Most people are using the raised fist, but probably they don't understand where that comes from or what it really means. You know, we, we were done in 2018, and as we moved forward, um, I think it just became more relevant, and, and we were definitely more anxious to get it out there because we, we feel like it will tell that story and give some context to what's going on now. Becky Page, where did you come into the project uh, for The Stand? How One Gesture Shook the World? Well, Tom and I worked together on Bannister, uh, Everest on the Track. It was sure. his, his vision, really. It was, uh, I mean, everybody knows that picture um, of Tommy Smith and John Carlos on the stand. And he just really wanted to go and tell that story, too. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. I don't know. I don't. I knew it was about human rights, but then again, I wasn't totally sure the backstory of what it was all about. And I think I kind of wanted to be educated myself uh, and 
So, you know, it was fun to work on um, and eye-opening and also to meet and talk to those athletes, uh, Tommy Smith, um, Mel Pender, Ralph Boston, yeah. who I must say makes the best banana bread. Uh, he gave <laughs> us some banana bread after the interview. They were just so generous and um, so kind to let us talk to them about their experiences. So it was really cool. Well, and I imagine, having said what you just said, that being a part of this project, how you bring a, a perspective, having been born just after 1968 occurred, so you coming into this project brings that certain perspective to looking at the story. And, and maybe this is a good opportunity for us to talk a little bit about uh, the context of all of this, which is this, this gesture that we're talking about, uh, John Carlos and, and Tommy Smith standing on the um, award stand at the Olympic Games in, in Mexico City in 1968. And when they stuck their, when they put their fist in the air, these with their black gloves on, as a gesture of solidarity as part of the Olympic movement for human rights uh, that they had established. There's so much going on, but it's 1968, which is, to the, to the minds of many historians, uh, one of the most significant years in the history of the United States. So there's a lot going on, and that's in this documentary. That, that is just, it's an, that, that, that or there's so much. I mean, you could spend, I could spend two hours just talking about that year, let alone the Olympic Games. But in some ways, this happens in the summer of 1968. And it happens just after the assassination of Robert Kennedy and just after the assassination of Martin Luther King. So Tom, I, I don't want to dominate this, completely dominate this conversation. So bring us into you know, what America was like and, and how and why this is sort of a, such a crystallizing event. Yeah, I mean, as you say, I mean, that was one of the most tumultuous years in American history. Add, that, add to that the Democratic Convention in Chicago and, and the tumult of that, that. There was obviously a lot of unrest. And I think the anger at the assassination of Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy and all of those, you know, confluence of, of these um, events, I think John Carlos and Tommy Smith were just looking for something to make their stand, to make a statement, as Tommy Smith said, you know, it wasn't about black power, it was really about solidarity, solidarity and strength. Tommy Smith said to us, you know, they, like, they have this strong belief in the ideals of America, but they felt like it was not fairly applied. Actually, that, that point can be made with the current, the current state of things in this country. And it was the point that Carlin Kaepernick was making and the point that, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement um, it's kind of based on that. There's not equitable treatment of everyone. That those ideals of America are not applied as they should be. And again, I have the perspective of having lived through this period of time. Uh, and so I'll bring that to our conversation, if you don't mind. Uh, and that is, uh, I remember how much pushback there was on this. I mean, you read the sports pages, and there was an awful lot of um, very derogatory, very mean-spirited, uh, that's being kind, really, to, to the reaction to this. And it, it's uh, what they did, what, and watching, you know, watching it again reminded me of, uh, they were just in some ways reminding America what they said they stood for in a way that was confrontational, certainly. But it was also on a stage that the whole world was watching. So I, I think it's, I mean, go ahead. 
I was going to say it was easily confrontational. I think that was like the, the move by every Brundage to banish them. That, that was, yeah. that created the controversy. I mean, I think. Let, let's, let, before you go further, let's talk about Avery Brundage. And just so give that a frame. Talk about that because there was already, there was a, 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 a realization or acknowledgement of this Olympic movement for human rights, that they were probably either going to boycott. You want to talk a little bit about the prelude to the Olympics? The, the right. talk of, I think, yeah, I think, you know, as given all of the events of 68, there was a movement, obviously before the Olympics, a boycott movement, the Olympic Project for Human Rights, um, headed up by Harry Edwards, who was a professor at San Jose State, who was a professor where John Carlos and Tommy Smith were students. As we talk about in the film, there's a lot of uh, young African-American men coming back from Vietnam, and they're not about to go back, after risking their lives for this country, go back to second-class status. And I think that brought it somewhat to a head, um, and certainly um, moving toward, you know, they, they, were, they, got, they really got some momentum going in the winter, and after the assassination of Martin Luther King, I think it took on a new urgency, and then Bobby Kennedy and all these other other events. So they they were moving into the Olympic Games period with the thought that they this was their moment to say something. This is their moment, you know, they had the platform. I think that you know the the athletic side of it. I think there was some Tommy Smith and John Carlos. There was a lot of urgency to get onto the podium because without the podium, they wouldn't have that moment. You know, and yeah, as, as I said before, like a lot of the, the controversy came as a result of them being banished. And that is actually a famous quote by Brett Musburger, who called them black stormtroopers or something to that effect, and kind of completely misunderstood the message because the, the message they both said like, was really about nonviolence. And it was just making a statement in a place where they thought it they would have, as John Carlos says, you know, find the biggest megaphone. So that moment, they couldn't let it pass by without saying something. Yeah, and again, the modern Olympics have always been a mix of moneyed interest. Obviously, it's a world stage. It's one of the few events in the world. Maybe this, maybe World Cup soccer. That's more recent, but certainly, at, certainly at this time, um, there has always been this kind of pretense that it is in fact non-political. And yet as we explore, as you explore in the film, um, that's not the case. You certainly couldn't say that about the 1936 Olympic Games. And you probably couldn't say it about any of the Olympic Games that they were somehow devoid of any sort of political context. And that's in the film. Avery Brundage was the chairman of the committee, the Olympic Committee, and he was notorious. He was notorious for graft and corruption. He's also notorious for being a racist. So for him to step forward and say, I'm editorializing a little bit here, but I don't think I'm completely out of bounds. Yeah. Yeah. For him to step up and say, this particular political gesture, by the way, was worthy of being essentially kicked out. And as you said, uh, it just ignited this absolute, it was already a big event, but it even put it into a, a, a world event. Um, even greater. So, so I, I what I lo what I love about the film, and I'll just let me remind our listeners: we're speaking with the co-directors of the film, the stand, how one gesture shook the world, and that would be Tom Radcliffe and 
Thank you, Paige, the co-directors. And also uh, your writer and producer, Tom, and then uh, Becky is also the editor of the film. But I guess my big point here is the film does a wonderful job of giving us as much context for what happened as, as we need to appreciate just how courageous and, and how, how eventful this was. Yeah. So congratulations. I mean they, they took such sacrifice, um, the, the athletes, they sacrificed so much um, to, and to, to, for that stand. And it's, um, I think even Harry Edwards says, have things changed? And yeah, yeah has progress been made? Not so sure. You know, so it's, uh, you know, 50 years later, we're still here um, right. dealing with a lot of the same issues and it's eye-opening, so. Well, as, as Tom said earlier, Tom Radcliffe said earlier, the, the relevance of this particular film, of, of The Stand, is, could not be more relevant. And certainly, as you mentioned as well, Colin Kaepernick and you know, all of it, it is, uh, it is relevant. It is good for people to be able to see history in real time as it was happening. And also, the film has these wonderful backstories going on. I was completely unaware of the struggles that... Tommy Smith was going through prior to the race itself. I didn't remember any of that. So there's a lot of drama. I'm not going to give any more away about the film. And the people that you brought in, you, you mentioned Ralph Boston, who's wonderful, Mel Pender, who, what a remarkable backstory he has. Uh, Harry Edwards, who's still with us today, who's still fighting the good fight, right? Amazing man. Um, and so many others. Patty Vaughn, and I won't even, Wolf, how do you say Patty's name? Uh, ben Wolvelare. Wolf of Wall Street. Patty Van. Patty Van. And there's another whole story about the Harvard rowing team that's really, really wonderful. You, you did a great job of pulling these people into this, this story. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I think that Patty Van and, and the Harvard um, rowers, the show, like, it's, it's great that like, there, were, there were allies out there and they're like the, the Harvard rowing. Group in 1968, they actually were they were taking a stand that was certainly among their peers was something that was they would say they wouldn't say it was courageous, but there's a level of courage there too taken. I think Harry Edwards very much appreciated their support and felt like it, it was important to their movement because it actually got lots of press. So it gave them a, 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 even more of a platform. We kind of expanded that platform. Right. And also, um, let's not forget Peter Norman, which another yeah. story I had no idea about. None, and completely, I always wondered who that was, who else was on the stand that day. And now I know, and now I know a little more about him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we didn't go into too much detail on Peter Norman, but we, we do, I mean, he, he was, he was a good, good guy, and um, Tommy Smith and John Carlos never, ever forgot that. So, as we yeah. know, as we see in the film, there's a part of which I won't say what happened, but yes, yes. What? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, and, oh. And I said, and Peter don't, and this one to add, Peter Norman suffered for his actions as well, yeah. and was ostracized when he got back to Australia. He qualified for the 72 games, was not selected as a result. So, you know that that very small act of support, he really did pay for that. From the, connect, the connection of the three, Tommy John and, and Peter Norman, um, 
I'm sure he would do it again because he felt like it was, a, it was the right thing to do and much appreciated by his two, you know, his fellow competitors. So I think, you know, Peter Norman didn't want to go on the stand as an observer. He wanted to be an active participant. There's the, the statue at San Jose State of the podium and Peter Norman did not want to be part of that. There's actually his spot is left empty and he wanted others to be able to stand there and see what he saw. So wow. I thought he, he didn't want to be part. He was part of the story, but he didn't want to overstate his his own stand. Well, so. and, al and also I would add, watching this again, and that is completely appropriate in that there would have been a strong temptation on the part of anyone standing there to also put their fist in the air just because of sort of the, what get, to get caught up in the moment, the fact that he remained, he stood there while, while Tommy and, and John did what they did. I thought I just one of those little minor details of, of a historic event like this that I, I, I appreciated. You know, I, I just I thought he was a completely appropriate to the moment. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. You know, well, and also uh, one other thing, and I, 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 I it's just just my opinion. The the on a world stage like this on the at the Olympic Games, one of the premier events of, of the games are the track and field, particularly the sprints is that this was the 200 meter. Here is the United States of America, representatives of what is the most powerful, political, financial, militarily powerful country in the world that, that says it believes in, uh, in the dignity of all. And here are two African-Americans telling the world that, that is not, that's not real. That's not exactly how things go down in America. And I think for, it was a shock to our system for some people, not for a lot, but for some, but also for the world to recognize that there's realities of life. And, and I think I did something about bringing attention, internal focus on, on racism in this country, but also for the world to recognize racism. And we're seeing today it play out in ways, not, through, not just about Black Lives Matters, but for the demonstrations around the world, around racism, that are not just about American, African-Americans and others, indigenous peoples around the world. I think this is completely, you know, appropriate. And I think the timing of your film is, uh, congratulations on a lot of levels for, for the work. So, yeah. I think you're right. I mean, uh, it's almost, we didn't find a place for this in, in, in 2018. And the irony is it's actually better, two years later is a better time. And, it's a better time. We, we said, like, okay, if people watch it, they have a better understanding of what's going on now, giving it some context, and maybe like a better understanding of the legacy of racism in this country and what it means to take a stand, take a stand in something you believe in. Yeah. I think all of these guys did, all of, you know, all of the people we, you know, Paul Hoffman and Cleve Livingston and, and, and Mel Pender and Ralph Austin, they all, you know, they all, on their own way, were fighting for the same thing. And like Mel Pender, he's in Vietnam, he comes back, goes to the Olympics, he's on the podium, gets a gold medal, he's back in Vietnam. Yeah. And he goes home, he's treated like a second-class citizen. It's just, yeah. You know, and this is, by the way, just one last thing before I let you go. This is the second wave of African-Americans going to fight, maybe third in some ways, the third wave. World War II, African-Americans went off to fight for the United States in World War II, and then Korea, 
came back to be treated the way that they were in Jim Crow South, but also throughout the country. We can, we can blame it all in the South, but that's not true. Chicago, the Northeast, Cal you name it, the country w was, was, uh, was hostile to African-American uh, and Latinos and you name it. And so, so here this is the third wave, Vietnam, they're coming back and, and facing the same kind of institutionalized racism. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it shocks the system. It shocks the moral fiber of this country. And I do think the demographics of this country are changing. And I think that's may in some ways be the most hopeful sign we have moving forward in terms of addressing these things. There's a recognition now, I think I've never seen in my life about this, about institutional racism. I've never yeah. seen it before. I think things are, I think we're, things are, uh, I like to think things are going to change. Um, and, you know, just seeing the protesters now um, with their fists in the air and, you yeah. know, maybe some of them don't exactly know where that came from. I'm sure many do, but there might be a lot of people out there that don't know where that all came from. And this movie will help explain, yeah. or documentary will help give them some insight. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I think we're, I think we're moving in the right direction. It's not to say we won't get the whole apple this time, but we're moving in the right direction. So, yeah. Well, I want to thank both of you so very much. The film again is called The Stand. How One Gesture Shook the World. And we've been talking with the co-directors of that film, and that would be Tom Radcliffe and Becky Page. Tom was also the writer and producer, and Becky was also the editor as well. Thank you both so very much for finding time to share with us here on Film School Radio. We're at my yeah. pleasure, Mike. Thank you so much for having us. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.